0: We're starting a new sermon series today focused on the King and the Kingdom. We've been reflecting on Kingdom priorities through the book of Haggai, and now we turn to considering the Kingdom and Jesus the King leading up to Easter as we look at Matthew 10 and 11 together. So today we're starting with the first 23 verses of chapter 10 of Matthew's Gospel. I encourage you to keep it open in front of you as I speak this morning. I think it was set page 790, but Matthew 10, 1 to 23. Whenever we're looking at a piece of scripture, it's a good idea to locate it in the overall place in salvation history that it is, and in the particular book that it is as well. So, here's just a few things about what we're reading today before we dive in to our particular passage. We're in one of the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus having come to earth and before his death and resurrection. The particular Gospel that we're in is Matthew, whose account is particularly Jewish and focused on the response of Israel to Jesus and the Kingdom. So far in Matthew's Gospel, we've heard lots about the Kingdom of God and what it's like, And we've seen Jesus do lots of healings that proclaim in action the coming of the kingdom. Some of you might remember a sermon series we did last year on Matthew 8 and 9, which we're kind of continuing on with this in this sermon series. And directly before our passage today, at the end of chapter 9, here's what's written Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest, And that's where I want to start today. Jesus went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and sickness. And as he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He saw their immense need for salvation and for having a leader. And out of that compassion, out of who he is and the harvest that he could see before him, He told the disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. The disciples were called to pray for workers. And then the next thing we read is that Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and sent them out. They were the answer to the prayer that Jesus told them to pray. They were the workers that Jesus sent out into the harvest field. Notice here that they were sent. It wasn't their initiative and choice. It was Jesus who chose them and sent them. And it was a mixed group of people who Jesus called and sent. He sent them in community, not alone. Jesus told them where to go. He was very specific. He told them to go to the lost sheep of Israel, not to the Gentiles and not to the Samaritans. Here Jesus is aiming to give Israel, the people who God had chosen, a chance to respond to the message of the kingdom being near. He told them to proclaim the good news, that the kingdom of heaven has come near, and to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That is, they're to preach what Jesus preached, and they're to do what Jesus did. They had his authority to do this. And they're to do these things freely without charge because there's no charge for the good news. It's a free gift of grace. Then we read that Jesus tells them to take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for labourers deserve their food. This actually has a few senses to it. Firstly, the word translated here, take, is more like obtain. So the sense is don't wait to obtain the things you might think are necessary for this trip. Just get on with it. Secondly, don't take the extras that you might take for a long journey because this is a pretty local mission trip, really. And thirdly, and most importantly, know that God will take care of you on this mission. The one whose mission it is will provide what you need. So the urgency of the mission, what is truly needed for this mission, and the trust in God to provide are at the fore here. Then we have some instructions about what to do when they enter a town or village. They're to consider carefully what to, where to stay and to stay with someone who is worthy. That is, they're to stay with someone who seems to be a person of peace. Someone who welcomes them, is willing to serve them, listens to them and particularly someone who seems open to their message as they enter the house they're to continue testing whether indeed this person and household is indeed a person or household of peace and if it's not they're instructed to move on from that house or town essentially Jesus is saying stay with the people who welcome the message of the kingdom and move on from any person or town that isn't. And he also makes it clear that there will be significant consequences for those who don't accept the message of the kingdom. You might think that because Jesus is sending them that it's all going to be easy and calm. Jesus indicates that it will be nothing of the sort. He's saying that he's sending them as sheep among wolves. Therefore, he tells them to be wise as serpents are wise and innocent as doves are. He tells them that they'll have all sorts of trouble, including being dragged before governors and kings, and that when that happens, they shouldn't worry about what to say, but to trust the Spirit of God for words to say in such times. And again they're told that when they're persecuted in one town, to move on to the next. What a mission commissioning briefing. Do you think you'd be encouraged? I've spoken at and been present at a number of mission commissioning gatherings and this certainly doesn't rate as one of the most inspiring and uplifting but it is one that Jesus gives us. And to be honest, I think it's incredibly helpful, much more so than lots of the hype and so-called encouragement that we sometimes give to each other. So while some of the specifics of this passage are for the disciples, I think there are some principles in here that are relevant for all of us who are followers of Jesus. So I've got 10 things for us today. Firstly, we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers for the harvest. That was true when Jesus said it, and it's true today. The work of the kingdom throughout the world desperately needs workers. Malcolm mentioned last week that Peter Adam, who preached here a couple of weeks ago, prayed for 50 people, to be raised up into full-time gospel ministry through the church that he was the senior minister at. And to date, there are now over a 100 people who fit that category. Let's be people who pray for workers of all kinds to be raised up to go into the harvest field of the kingdom of God. And specifically in this time and in this place, we'd ask that you join us in praying for workers who can fulfill the vision that God's given us of growing young in and through St. Philip's. Secondly, we're people who are sent by Jesus. Here the disciples were sent to the lost sheep of Israel. At the end of this gospel, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus commissions the disciples and us to go into all the world with the authority that he gives, and to make disciples of all nations. We don't go by our own authority, or by our own choosing. We go and we minister as people chosen by and sent by Jesus. Thirdly, we need to know the message and the ways of Jesus. The disciples were sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom in word and deed. They knew deeply the message of the kingdom from having been with and around Jesus. And they knew the ways of the kingdom by seeing them lived by Jesus. We need to be people who are so grounded in the Bible and our relationship with Jesus that we likewise are people who, are deep, who deeply know the message and ways of the kingdom. We need to be people who know the King and his sacrificial love and compassion for us and to live on mission out of that relationship. Fourthly, we learn as we step out on mission in the ways God calls us to. The disciples have been with Jesus and have been watching him proclaim the good news of the kingdom and healing people. Imagine what it was like when Jesus sends them out. I have no question that they, would feel, that they didn't feel like they had all it would take and that they had lots of questions. Yet they would learn as they went. And they weren't sent alone. They were sent with each other and with the Spirit of God speaking through them. Likewise, we learn as we step out on mission. We don't need to have it all together in order to be on mission. I have no doubt that who I am now is shaped by being encouraged and included in local mission and evangelism initiatives when I was 14 or 15. Fifthly, we need to stay focused on what we're called to do. The disciples were sent by Jesus in this passage to the lost sheep of Israel. It's not that other things were not important, but that is the mission to which the disciples were sent by Jesus in that time and place. We need to know what it is that God has called us to and to stay focused on that. A key passage for me personally is from the message, um, the message translation of Galatians 6, where it says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given and then sink yourself into that. We each need to know what Jesus has sent us to do in this time and place and to stay focused on that. Sixthly, we need to proclaim the good news through word and action. The disciples are told to proclaim the good news by saying that the kingdom of heaven has come near and by doing the works of the kingdom. These aren't separated, they're completely integrated. We're told to proclaim the kingdom by word and deed, not by word or deed. This morning the common have their good fruit ministry that's where James is this morning and this is a photo from their good fruit ministry last year one of the times last year here's one photo and another Um, and I have no doubt that in these pictures but also this morning they'll be giving fruit and vegetables to people they'll be speaking with people about the good news of Jesus and they'll be praying for people that they would know God's healing and wholeness in their lives. The good news will be being proclaimed through word and action. Seventhly, the mission is urgent. Part of why Jesus said to the disciples to not take or obtain gold or silver or copper was because it was urgent to get on with this mission. They needed to get on with it and not let anything delay them. That urgency is also the case today. We have people who need Jesus all around us in Cottesloe, in Perth and throughout the world. They're lost and we have been sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom to them and to make disciples. There are people in our families, our communities, our workplaces, our sporting clubs, who need Jesus. And there are people throughout the world who need to hear the same good news. Are you, am I, treating this mission as urgent? Eighthly, we need to discern who is open to the good news and to move on if people are not open. In this passage we read that Jesus tells the disciples to discern who they stay with and then we read in a couple of places that he tells them to move on if the message that they bring is not received and welcomed. Now if you're like me, and I suspect that many of you are, you'll react to this one. Isn't God loving? And isn't he endlessly patient? And so shouldn't we just persist with people for as long as it takes. Certainly God is endlessly patient and he is loving and he longs more than we do for all to be saved. But here he's calling his disciples to move on if the proclamation of the good news is not welcomed and when they receive opposition. Discernment is absolutely needed and there are times to persevere in continuing to present the gospel in context despite it not being received and in spite of persecution. But I think what is here is actually important for us to hear, especially for those of you who like me react to the thought of not persisting when the good news of Jesus is rejected. It's clearly what Jesus tells the disciples here. For me, it's been important to remember that if I persist in a given place where the good news of Jesus is not being welcomed, then I'm not able to invest in a different place where the good news may be received and take root. It's also been important to remember that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, not me, and that he therefore knows the dynamics of the harvest way better than I do. And finally, that if I persist in a place that that perhaps I'm not allowing the desperateness of the people's need of God to be felt and therefore, rather than helping them come to Jesus, I may well be hindering them by the way that I'm present. Ninthly, we need to know that there will be opposition And how to respond to it. Most of us have grown up in an environment where a Christian worldview has shaped the core of our society's values. This is increasingly less the case, and many Christians are surprised. But Jesus told his disciples in this passage that they would meet opposition on their mission, and we will meet it on ours. How are we to respond? We need to be wise like serpents and innocent like doves. We need to use our head and avoid unnecessary danger, yet have a kind of naive naive fearlessness that stays engaged despite the risk. Prudence and purity are also two other ideas that come out of the concepts. Of being wise like serpents and innocent like doves. As our society continues to shift from its Christian foundations we need to heed these instructions of Jesus and keep learning what they look like for our mission in the world today and as part of that know that we need the spirits leading. Which brings me to my final point We need to trust God, it's his mission, his kingdom and we are his people. We need to trust him for everything we need. We need to trust him for provision for the journey and for guidance in what to do and say. We need to trust him to lead us where he would have us go and to show us where and when to stay and where and when to move on. It's his good news that we're proclaiming and his work that we're joining in. He's the one who has brought us to know him, the one who sends us out on mission, and the one who calls people to himself. He's the king, and it's his kingdom that we're called to proclaim. Amen you'd like a copy of those 10 points they're just on the table at the back you can grab them at the end of the survey.